It is great to see you guys tonight. I hope you've had a, a good day. I was telling Jason before the service, if there's uh, awards in heaven for uh, people's faithfulness to church, man, being here tonight when it's storming, when there's a really big basketball game on in just a couple of hours, I mean, you guys get the, the prize tonight. But uh, I, I want us just to spend a few moments tonight in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 14. And in thinking through what the next three nights are going to look like for us, I, I suspect that prayer is, is a part of all of our lives. We pray in different ways. There's that verse of Scripture that tells us to pray without ceasing. And, and I think that is one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. I, I know growing up when I would hear that verse, I would often think, well, does that mean I just walk around mumbling words to Jesus all day long? And I, I don't know that it means that. What I do believe it means is that prayer becomes part of the fabric of who you are. And so just tonight, as you guys were sharing requests, that in moments of desperation, we, we pray prayers of, of God, get me out of this. And in moments of rejoicing, we say, God, thank you. In moments of sickness, we pray, God, heal me or heal this person. In moments of petition, we ask for God to intercede. In moments of needing salvation, we pray, God, save me. And so over the next three nights, I, I want us to take a deep dive into Scripture and, and look at, at statements that individuals have made that we see in the Bible that very much represent the life of someone who's praying. In, in the Gospel of Matthew 14, we're diving right in the middle of the story. The chapter begins with Jesus getting the news that John the Baptist has been beheaded. John the Baptist is put in prison because he's making all kinds of prophecies about the Messiah. He even says some things about the king that the king really doesn't like and really the, the king's wife doesn't like. And, and so a statement is made by the king that the king's wife's daughter can have anything she wants. The, the wife speaks to her daughter and says, tell him you want the head of John the Baptist. And he acquiesces to her request jesus learns that john the baptist has been beheaded and he desires to go and be by himself much like those of us who have experienced loss in our life there's sometimes where we just want to get away and at this point in jesus's ministry he has these people following him and so he's got these five thousand individuals following him according to scripture five thousand men and we can deduce that there's women and children along with these men. So it, it may have been upwards of 10,000 people that are following Jesus when all he's trying to do is just get away and grieve. They follow him and we know the miracle that he performs. He feeds the 5,000. And, and we pick it up right here in the middle of Matthew 14. We're going to read this together. Following this feeding of the 5,000 and the twelve basketfuls of pieces that the disciples collect it tells us this immediately jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd after he had dismissed them he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray later that night he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now, just get an image of that in your mind for a moment. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. 
and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. To which Jesus replied, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out. And here's the prayer. Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You a little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. If you could just take a moment to think about the prayers you've prayed this week, maybe they've not been formal prayers that began with someone inviting you to consider your needs or the needs of others. Maybe they've been prayers of, of God, help me to get to work on time or, or God, help me deal with this person that keeps making these statements to me that I, I don't like. I, I was sharing with Jason, my wife works and, and she and her job has to travel quite a bit. And we didn't realize at the time that she was going to be traveling the week that, that I'm here with you guys. And so she flew out to Florida today. We have three children. It was my responsibility this morning, which normally she takes on, to get one of them to school, to get the other two to daycare, to get them up, to get them dressed, to have our daughter to school on time, uh, to get our, our two sons to daycare, and then for me to head on to work. And, and so I'm getting them in. I'm rushed. I, I have, and I'm going to be honest with you, and you don't have to record this if you don't want to. I have little appreciation for my wife and what she does on mornings until I have to do it. And I don't want her to hear that. But I, I'm getting these kids in the car, and I'm, I'm heading down the road, and I look in the rearview mirror, and my son has got smudges. He's four. He's got smudges of breakfast all over his face. I look over at my daughter, and I, I did not brush her hair this morning at all. It's all natted and matted. And I looked over to the left to make sure I did have our youngest son in the car seat uh, and, and buckled in securely. And I'm just thinking, God, it, help me. It's going to be, it's Monday. She doesn't come home till Friday. If we make it and we're all alive by Friday, it's going to be a success. There's all kinds of prayers we pray in life. We, we pray prayers of God. Don't let this light turn red. I've got to make this appointment. God, help me raise my children. God, answer this request. God, save me. And I suspect that if we really took the time to think about what we were praying, we might not be so quick to offer some of the prayers. I mean, think about it. If you ask God to help you raise your children, do you really want his help? It might require some changes on your part or prayers of God change me. Do, do you really want God to change you? As we look at these prayers tonight, there's things that we say or speak times where we get fearful times where we get scared. Growing up in, in Garner, there was a pool not too far from where I lived that all the kids in Garner went to. It was in Heather Hills. It was the community pool at the time, and, and we would go and. We would hang out and, and as 10-year-olds and 8-year-olds and 12-year-olds, we would play these games of going under the water and see who could hold their breath the longest. 
and we would roughhouse in the pool and, and our friends would hold us down underwater. And, and there is this universal fear that every human being has. It is a primal fear and it is the fear of drowning. The fear of being held underwater against your will. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that. But being held underwater and feeling like you're not going to get up. You are, are, are losing your breath. You're not going to somehow be able to breathe anymore. And, and when you look at Peter, he has this moment of panic. He realizes that he is going down. He realizes that what is about to happen is he's going to drown. And he looks and he sees the one person who seemingly is not drowning at all. One person who is up on the waters, who's walking, in fact, on the water. Now, we could stop the message right there. And you could say, Adrian, tonight that's me. I'm drowning. I'm drowning and no one knows it. I, I, I am going down for the count. And if someone does not intervene in my life, I'm not sure if I'm coming back up. You may be here tonight and say, my family members are drowning. My wife, my husband, my kids. I look at the situations they're in, and Adrian, if I'm honest with you, they're hopeless. I, I, I'm not sure that there is salvation out of their situation. The good news of the gospel isn't that you can get to God, but that God comes to us. Peter saw that lesson firsthand. He so desperately wanted to get to, to God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. He so desperately wanted to be near Him that He goes out of the boat against all human instinct and goes out and begins to walk on the water and for a moment takes His sight off of Christ and begins to sink. The backdrop of this story is, is fascinating to me when you consider that a third of the disciples are fishermen. This is what they do in life. They understood their job. So it's interesting to me that the word that is used in the Gospel of Matthew is the word made. Jesus made his disciples get in a boat. Now, why would Jesus make his disciples get in a boat and go across the lake to the other side? Could it be that maybe they didn't want to go? Could it be that, that a third of these people as fishermen looked out and recognized there's a storm coming, much like tonight, driving across the countryside and recognizing think the clouds are billowing up, getting dark. We do not need to be in a boat right now. Jesus compelled them, maybe even by force. Why would he have done that? I mean, perhaps after a, a long day, I mean, feeding 5,000 people, I, I don't know what covered dish meals look like here. I know at our church, that line seems to never end to get your food. Could you imagine feeding 5,000 people and how tiring that would be? For whatever reason, God makes them, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ makes them. What does it say about a Savior who sends people into storms? What does it say about the Savior that you and I put our hope and our faith in? That He would send people into storms in their life. That He would send them into moments where they get fearful. Moments where they get discouraged. Moments where they're not sure if they're going to come out of it or not. The account says that when evening came, one translation uses the fourth watch of the night. 
Now, if you were to go back and look at nautical terms, the fourth watch of the night is typically this time between 2 and 6 in the morning or 3 and 6 in the morning. It is the dead of night. It is when bad things happen. You don't want to be out and about at 3 in the morning. Nonetheless, Scripture says that they're out there in the fourth watch of the night. One translation even uses it that they're at the midway point, that they have been rowing and rowing for hours, and they've only gotten halfway across the lake. After all, I mean, feeding 5,000 people, that would, have, that would have had to taken a long time. The Bible tells us that Jesus has gone off on the mountainside and the disciples are out in the water and this storm comes up and they're rowing and they're rowing and the winds are buffeting against them. And again, these are fishermen that they would have been on the Sea of Galilee. They would have been on the lakes when storms would have arose. They would have known what it was like. And what's interesting to me is Scripture doesn't necessarily reference their being fearful of the storm as much as they were fearful of what they saw. According to Mark, they were in the middle of the sea. It begs the question, why did Jesus wait until the fourth watch to go to them? I mean, if they've been rowing all this time, if they've been in the middle of the storm all this time, why did they not find Jesus or see? Jesus at the first watch. Why did they not see Jesus in the second watch? I, I can't help but think that they were calling out to God. Jesus, where are you? We're, we are in this storm. You told us you would meet us. Where are you? And Jesus doesn't show. Maybe you can identify with that. Maybe there's been times in your life where you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and there is not a response. Maybe it was for the health of someone and, and they didn't. They didn't live. Maybe it was for a job you wanted and and the job went to someone else. Maybe it was for your kids to get on the right track and, and they've taken the wrong one. Why is it that Jesus sends us into storms and why is it that Jesus doesn't come to us right when we call on him? I read scripture and, and I, I can't help but believe that Jesus has reasons for why and when he does come to us. What I I find interesting is, is if you grew up in church and if you were listening tonight, you know how the story ends. You you know that they're there, they're rowing, and all of a sudden, I think they've given up hope that anyone's going to save them. And they're out on the sea, and all of a sudden at 3, between 3 and 6 in the morning, we don't know the exact time, they look up and they see this figure coming close to them. And their first inclination is that it is a ghost. I imagine these guys growing up heard all kinds of stories of fishermen that went out on the Sea of Galilee and never came back. I'm sure they've heard stories of people that were shipwrecked, of people who went out fishing and never came back. And just like many of us, you hear those stories of ghosts and they're out there on the sea and all of a sudden this figure starts coming close to them. And their first inclination is, it's a ghost. It's somebody who went out fishing and didn't come back. That's us. We're going to be doing that one day. Disciples think it's something that is going to bring them harm and jesus speaks those words don't be afraid 
And what is interesting to me is that of all the disciples, Peter is the one who picks up that this might, in fact, be Jesus Christ. And he responds to him. He says this word, Lord, Lord, if it's you. Now, talk about a test. I don't know if you've ever tested God. God, if you want me to do this, then make this happen. I don't know if you've ever been there. Peter doubles down. Lord, if it's you. Don't come close to us. Lord, let me get out and come to you. What is what is Peter asking? To do something that many of us would say are is improbable. To get out and actually walk on water. He goes out, he catches a glimpse of Jesus. And I I I think he's filled with hope that this that, that Christ is here. And just like many of us, there's times where we get a glimpse of Jesus and our eyes are focused on him. And then all of a sudden, something else catches our attention and our direction goes to the right or to the left. Peter hears something, sees something. We don't know what happened, but what we do know is he took his eyes off of Christ. And he begins to sink. I find it amazing that Peter. Prays this prayer of Lord, save me. I hear those prayers and I think they're often connected to people who have done something wrong. Lord, I've done something wrong. Save me. God, I should not have been in this situation. Save me. God, I should not have said this. Save me. Do you get that Peter's trying to do something right? I mean, he's trying to go to Jesus. He's trying to go and see him. And the minute that he goes out, he sees him and he's beginning to draw closer. And the moment he takes his eyes off, he begins to sink. And his inclination, his prayer is, God, I I want you to save me. You may be here today and you may be thinking, I'm I'm trying to do the right thing, too. I I feel like I'm I'm doing the right thing in my life, and, and yet. Jesus seems to be at a distance or I seem to be drowning. I I seem to be sinking right now. Maybe that's why we're having revival. Maybe the collective prayer of this church is, God, we want you to save us again and again and again. Not only for eternity, but for these situations that we come across every day in life. It's funny that Jesus tells them, don't be afraid. I think my response would be, I've been afraid for hours. What do you mean, don't be afraid? I've been out here rowing this boat. I I hear those words of Jesus, and I think about the times in my life where I hear him telling me, Adrian, don't be afraid. On one hand, it's easy to hear that and and to say, okay, well, I'm going to try. And on the other hand, to say to Jesus, where have you been? Where have you been like David in Psalm 44? I need you to wake up and be God in my life right now. If there's a side to getting out of the boat, there's also a side to staying in. And there's plenty of times in life where we get out of the boat and we should have stayed in. Maybe the question tonight is, why why are you in the water? Why are you where you are in life where maybe the, 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 the desire is I'm calling out to Jesus to save me? Is it because you're somewhere where you don't need to be? 
Is it somewhere that you've placed yourself in an, in an effort to prove who you are to the people around you? To prove how close you are, that, that you've put yourself out there and now you, you have no idea how to get back. I read this and like a lot of scripture, the question is, so what? What, what does this mean for us today? I mean, we're not going to go out in a boat tonight and, and practice walking on the water. We're not going to go out at the fourth watch and, and wait till we see something coming across. What does this passage of scripture say to us specifically? What does that prayer say to us? What is Jesus teaching them? They had abandoned hope. Nowhere in Scripture does it imply that they thought it was Jesus coming close to them. They thought it was a ghost. They, they had no reason to believe that Jesus was going to find them, that Jesus was going to be there with them. I mean, after all, they may have been thinking it's too late. We've been calling on Jesus. We've been praying to Jesus. He would have been here by now. Why would Jesus send us into the middle of the lake when there's a storm coming? And the moment that they see something the inclination isn't to say that could be Jesus. That The inclination is to say it's a ghost. How about you? Have you felt abandoned when your prayers aren't answered? Have you felt abandoned when you've, when you've, you've thrown up everything you know to say and to do? Asking God to do something for you. Asking God to save you. Asking God to get you out of whatever it is that you're in. You'd be in good company. Do you remember Jesus' prayer, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me? Jesus' prayer wasn't answered the way he wanted. Do you remember Paul's prayer? Three times, remove this what? Thorn in the flesh. Do you remember God's answer? My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. There are a lot of people who will say prayers and pray prayers of God, save me. And when they don't get the answer they want. They leave. Perhaps the greatest example of this is a guy by the name of Ted Turner. Ted Turner was the owner of the Atlanta Braves, started CNN, was really an entrepreneur in every sense. His sister died from terminal cancer in 1990 she was his younger sister ted turner grew up in a christian home and said he was saved eight or nine times by the time he was a teenager i mean every time they had an altar call at the church he was coming down and making a profession of faith and he talked about how to the atlanta journal constitution an interview about his faith or lack thereof that when his sister got sick he was praying and praying and praying that god would heal her and she died and he made this comment. He said it was in that moment that he really began leaving the faith. And he said this. The more I strayed from faith, the better I felt. Meaning God, God did not show up for me in my fourth watch. And in the times where I was on the lake, desperate and alone, and I needed God to stand up. The problem that so many Christians have today is that we only allow God to have one response to our prayers. And it's ours. If God doesn't match 
his response with our desires, or if he doesn't match his response with how we want the situation to play out, then God's wrong. What are you praying when you're praying, God, save me? Are, are you praying that you are trusting that whatever God does, it is going to be on his terms? Peter was under no direction or, or, or no power of his own to save himself. He was completely at the mercy of Jesus Christ. And the problem with a lot of Christians today is we want God to use us. We want God to save us. But we want all of those things with conditions attached. Maybe we need to be out in the water more often. Maybe we need to be out where we could drown a little bit so that we are left with nothing but a cry out to Jesus that says, I don't care how you save me, just save me. There's an overriding message in this narrative tonight. And it's this, we can oftentimes expect Jesus to come to our rescue only after we've exhausted all other resources. Jason mentioned last night you guys praying for our family, and I, I, I can't tell you how much that has meant to us. We, we had two kids, um, six and four. Uh, we, we weren't sure about having a third. We kind of left it up, and as things happened, my wife got pregnant, and it was a normal pregnancy. Everything was fine. Matter of fact, he ended up staying in longer. Our first two kids came two weeks early, both to the day, two weeks to the day. And our third son, he had to be induced because she went a week past. And, and we went on a Sunday morning. We watched our service at church online. People were coming up in the video and camera saying, hey, good luck. We're praying for you. And, and we're in the delivery room and, and we're sitting there and the doctor comes in and he's examining my wife. We're we're talking and and as he's examining her he he accidentally broke her water and he realized that when he did that he saw some things that concerned him and so he he placed this monitor on our son in utero and he told us he said you're going to hear this clicking noise that sounds a lot like a clock he said that's your son's heartbeat he said i just want to listen to it and so we're sitting there listening and and it's so neat to hear it and me and my wife are not medical people. We don't, we don't know what things mean if things were to go south. But one of the things that we picked up was about an hour into it, that, that rhythm sounded a little different, a little slower. And we looked at each other, and I, and I said to her, do you think we need to call the nurse? And no sooner did I say that than this team of people come rushing in and I'll never forget the expression on the doctor's face. You've got to have this baby right now. And we just kind of looked, and, and my wife's response to a lot of things in stressful situations, okay, you know, that sounds good. <laughs> You're the doctor. And they begin working, and, and all the while you can hear this tick getting slower and slower. They were doing all kinds of instruments to, to get the baby out and suction and forceps he wasn't coming it's probably an indication of how stubborn he's going to be in his life they couldn't get him out and finally they did and and where i was standing i, I noticed the the umbilical cord had been wrapped around his neck twice and he was going into distress and and they get him out and they whisked him out of the room and 
And my wife's, oh, is he okay? Is he okay? And, and the doctors are telling us, we, we're, we're getting him taken care of. Let's get you taken care of and, and we'll talk. And I, I was torn because I wanted to go see our son and, and make sure he was okay. I wanted to be with my wife. And, and finally, they get her settled and uh, we get the news that, that he was in distress. We don't know for how long and, and he's being examined right now. And they're looking at everything and and it's in those moments that you're, you're uh, as a dad, I, I mean, I'd like to think that I'm a devoted follower of Christ and, and praying, okay, God, I mean, save him. And later that night, my wife kept having issues, bleeding. They couldn't stop it. They were bringing in machines, and our son was in NICU, and they were still working on him. And my wife kept bleeding, and they were bringing in ultrasound machines. They can't figure out where it is. And finally, this last time, her blood pressure dropped really low. And the doctor came in, and he he pulled up a chair, almost like having a a paternal father and son conversation. And he says, I need to tell you something. He said, we're going to have to take you back to surgery. He said, I I do not know where this is coming from. He said, but I want to tell you something. I've never lost anyone. And I'm sitting there thinking, my God, uh, you you." She can't go. I don't know how to make our kids lunches for school. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Like, you've got to do something for her. And, and we walked together down to the surgery. They whisked her back into surgery and found out where the bleeding was coming from. They were able to stop it. Meanwhile, they're working on our son. We finally get to go home. Several days later, our son ends up back in, in the hospital for five days because of some issues he's facing. And all the time... I'm sitting there praying, God, I want you to save them. I want you to save my wife. I want you to, to save my son. And, and thankfully, they're, they're both here today. And, and I, I think in my mind, okay, God, you answered my prayer. And, and I, I have no idea tonight how I would be responding if that prayer wasn't answered. So what I want you to hear is that I'm not standing up here tonight telling you that if you're on the side of God not answering your prayer, that somehow you're wrong or or you're you're this bad Christian for not believing what I am telling you. Is that the beauty of prayer, the beauty of praying together as a church is primarily for those times when we don't have the words to pray. To think that there were people praying for us when there were no words that I could have uttered up to God is so encouraging to me. And and tonight, to think of those times where your prayers may be, God, I need you to save me. Do you believe that your church family is here to pray with you? Do you believe that you're here for one another to walk with each other? Could you imagine the conversation when Peter gets back in the boat and, and the disciples are saying, why did you get out? Why, 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 did you, why did you take that chance? Jesus gets back in the boat, and, and according to one scripture, he rebukes the wind, and it stops. And all of a sudden, every one of them have this revelation. This is God. This, this, this is God in the flesh right here among us. There's going to be times where your prayer is going to be, God, I want you to save me. And that won't be anyone else's prayer. You know why? Because they're in the boat. But what a beautiful thing when you all come together 
to both see the majesty and glory of the God that we serve. To see Him speak whatever it is in your life. Maybe it's not the situation you wanted, but maybe it's the peace that comes with it. That still small voice that says everything is going to be okay. For all of us to step back and say, that's God. I don't know if you're in a fourth watch tonight. What I do know is whether you think God is answering your prayers, He hears you. Whether you believe that He's been faithful to you in the past, His Word tells us that He promises to be faithful. What I want to encourage you tonight is you guys are a close-knit community of faith. And the challenge that I'm leaving for you is that if there is any of you who feel like you're at a fourth watch, and you feel like you've taken your eyes off of Jesus, there's people in the boat who are willing to stand with you and recognize the glory of God. There's people in the boat, deacons, pastors, people here, who who are willing to say, I'm glad it wasn't me out there on the water. Man, what an amazing thing we get to see. The prayer of God, save me, is a dangerous prayer. Because more times than not, I'm not so sure we know exactly what we need to be saved from. The desperations that, situations that look so desperate, those are easy. The situations and circumstances in which we find ourselves in life that ultimately could have a bad ending if we're not saved from them, well, those are harder when God removes us from them. If you want to pray that prayer tonight, Just know there's people here who are willing to walk with you. Who are willing to be in the boat with you. And should you choose to get out, should you choose to go at it alone, I'm confident that Jesus is somewhere out there. Would you pray with me? Lord, tonight, I thank you that you show up in the most unexpected ways. Much like you did with the disciples, Father, times when we don't expect you, maybe even, Father, times when we're not so happy to see you. You come speaking to us. You find us. Lord, many of us have faced situations in our life where the prayer of asking you to save us or to save the people we love is, is, is obvious. Lord, we see people who are hurting. We see people who are in a desperate need of a touch from your hand or we find ourselves in that dilemma. And so, God, that the prayer of asking you to save us seems obvious. Lord, I, I, I'm sure there are many people in this place tonight who can look back at, at a moment in time in their life where they asked you to save them, where they profess their faith and their trust in you. And Father, they've been letting you save them ever since. 
Lord, my prayer tonight is also for those circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in or that we get into. Or maybe we don't realize that we need saving, but we do. We don't realize that salvation is exactly what we need. But we need it. I'm thankful that you have created the church. I'm thankful that you ordained the church. I'm thankful, Father, that we do not go through this life alone, that we're able to walk in fellowship with one another. That we're able to be in the boat when the storms come. And Lord, for those times where we choose to get out, that we can never escape your presence. Lord, give your people tonight that assurance. And if they were to go to the highest heaven or make their bed in the lowest depths, Father, they will never escape from your presence. Lord, however your word finds us, whatever watch we're in, in life right now. Thank you for the promises of your word that you will not leave us and that you will not leave us. So Lord, we give you this time tonight as you hear the prayers of your people. Lord, I stand with confidence that you're going to answer them. And Lord, our prayer is that it would be in accordance to your will. For it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Jason.